Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Priya, thank you. Let me just add my welcome. My name is John. If we haven't met, a particular welcome to you if you're visiting and here for the baptism. Just as we come to God's word, uh, let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we pray that your word, the Bible, would be our guide this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that your greater glory would be our supreme concern. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us will be familiar with the Mission Impossible films. For those who aren't, in every film, uh, the main character receives a top-secret message, uh, a briefing uh, which sets the scene for the film. And the message always goes as follows. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then follow some preposterous series of things that have to happen. Uh, And incredible, dangerous circumstances. But in every film, the main character, Ethan Hunt, uh, embraces and conquers the mission. Well, the task which uh, Moses has been set by God feels to him like mission impossible. Uh, And sometimes there are things in our lives, uh, in our Christian lives, which feel like that to us. Maybe even now there are are ways that you know you are called to follow God in some part of your life, and it, it just feels really daunting. Well, through this chapter, I hope we are going to get a fresh perspective from the living God, a perspective that Moses needed, a perspective that we need when we face things that feel too hard for us. And we're going to see two things this morning that are going to help us uh, with this perspective on what God calls us to. The first is that we're reluctant servants, reluctant servants. Uh, Last week, we looked at how God was calling Moses uh, from out of the burning bush, uh, revealing himself to him, and commanding to Moses to go to Pharaoh and to bring the people out of Egypt. Uh, And in Exodus chapter 3, we saw Moses' first two objections to God's call. First in verse 11, look with me, of chapter 3. He says, "'Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt?' To which God replies, "'I will be with you.'" And then Moses objects again, verse 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And we spend some time dwelling on on what God reveals to himself, uh, reveals about himself in that amazing reply, I am who I am. In other words, in in reply to to Moses' first two objections, God has said, I will be with you. And I am the eternal God of the universe, the center of all things. And those two things were more than enough reassurance or should have been more than enough reassurance for for Moses to get on with the job. But he's not done with his objections. And that brings us 
to the start of this morning's chapter, uh, chapter chapter 4, verse 1. Do look with me so you can follow with what I'm saying. Verse 1, Moses says, "What, What if they do not believe me? Or listen to me and said, the, and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses says he's worried that, that uh, God's people won't believe that God is able to deliver them from Egypt. And given what we've already seen of, of Moses' excuses, uh, it's quite likely that he himself was still full of doubts uh, that God could do this, that he could deliver the people. But he doesn't quite want to say that directly to God. Uh, so he says, what if the people don't believe? Uh, a, a bit like when we say, um, I'm asking this question for a friend. Uh, and we know full well that that's the sign that we're asking for ourselves. That's what Moses, I think, is doing here. Well, well, God in his kindness, he gives him three amazing signs for Moses and for the people so that they can know uh, that it really is God who is calling to them and will bring them out. We're going to come back to those signs uh, a little bit later. But first we see Moses' fourth objection, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses is saying to God, in effect, I'm not gifted enough for this God. You've given me a mission to go and to speak to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, but I'm not a good speaker. I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And we... We don't know exactly what the issue was with, with Moses' speech. Some people think he might have had some kind of speech impediment. What, whatever it was, it was clearly serious enough that God, God in verses 14 to 16 will, will provide for him. He'll give him Aaron to help him speak. But here, Moses, he, he's still not confident that, that God, in God's ability to do what he has promised, bringing the people out of Egypt. Well, that's already four objections in two chapters. Uh, Moses isn't exactly covering himself in glory. Now, we have to be careful when we apply uh, the Bible to ourselves, uh, to certain bits. Often we, when we read about Moses or other great characters in the Old Testament, uh, what they're doing is they're foreshadowing the life of Jesus. They're telling us something in advance about what Jesus will come to do. So that's more what they're like than always applying directly to our lives. And there are many things that God asked Moses to do that don't clearly apply to us. For example, we're not to draw the conclusion from this passage uh, that we can go and pick up snakes by the tail uh, and that we'll be okay. That's not going to go well for us. But here in this chapter, I think we are meant to see in Moses' mistakes a reflection of what we can be like. And so here Moses was saying to God, God, I'm not gifted enough for this. And I, I know there are times in my life when I, have, when I have held back from serving the Lord in some way because I, I feel I've lacked the gifts that I need. And I wonder if you have ever felt like that. Maybe you feel like that at the moment. Are there ways that you, you're holding back from serving the Lord in some way because you just don't think you have the gifts? Uh, as we come into Advent uh, over the next few weeks, we will be talking a lot about the opportunities that there are at this time of year to invite friends, family, colleagues, neighbours, people around us uh, to Christmas services. And that is one, in some ways, the best opportunity in the year, the easiest opportunity, because so many people love carol services. But maybe each year, uh, as you hear that encouragement to invite people, 
you hear it, but you never quite take that step. And maybe it's because you don't feel up to the task. Maybe you don't think you would be able to find the right words to invite them. Or perhaps you've been uh, hearing in recent weeks about uh, what Lucinda was praying for, the Church with Warmth initiative starting this week, reaching out to our community in word and deed with the love of Christ. And a part of you would love to get involved with that, but but you've just been holding off from from putting your name forward to get involved because you you think maybe there are others in the church family who who are better placed, more gifted than me. You don't feel up to the task. So where in your life might you be saying to God, I'm not gifted enough for this God? You have a think about that. We'll come back to some encouragements later on for us in that. Well, God gives Moses uh, and us the assurance that we need to that question. We'll, We'll come back to think about it. But first we get Moses' final objection. God has answered every one of his objections up to this point. Uh, He's given Moses more than enough reassurance that he needs. But now we come to the real heart of the issue for Moses. Verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. This is Moses' mission impossible moment. Your mission, Moses, is to bring the people up out of Egypt And we think, will he go for it? Will he be like Ethan Hunt, delivering the people? No, he he looks at this situation and he just says, no, God, I don't choose to accept the mission. He, He knows that he's run out of all possible excuses. And so he's simply blurting out, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. In other words, I don't want to do this, God. And... And here's the root problem lying behind all of Moses' other objections. He simply doesn't want to do what God has commanded him. That is reinforced by the language we find here. In in both verses 10 and here in verse 13, uh, Moses calls God Lord. We saw God Lord, uppercase last week, Yahweh, the center of all things. But here, Lord, lowercase, it means the one in authority. And in both verses... Moses calls God the one in authority. He also calls God his servant. So he knows God is his Lord. He knows he's his servant. And yet he's refusing to obey God's call. And so we're told the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Remember, God has patiently answered all of his previous objections. He's given Moses all the reassurance he needs that, that he would be with him and give him all he needed for the task. But now as Moses flatly refuses to obey God's call, well, we're told that that makes God angry. And he's rightly angry. You see, often we think, how can God be angry? Because we compare God's anger to our anger. But God's anger is not like ours. He doesn't fly off the handle at any little provocation. No, his anger is proportionate to our disobedience. So Moses calls God Lord but he won't actually submit to God's command. And that is a really helpful warning for us. See, it's possible for us to act like Moses here, to say in our hearts, I don't want to do that, God. Like Moses, we can call Jesus our Lord, the one in authority over us, and yet act as if he's only Lord of of some parts of our lives. So let me ask you this morning, Are there things in your life which 
you know God is calling you to, but that you've been putting off. Maybe there is an area of sin in your life where you know from God's word he is calling you to resist, but you've instead been trying to, as it were, keep that part of your life off limits to him. Or perhaps there's something happening in your workplace. It's been going on for a while. You know that it's dishonest. But you've so far not been willing to make an issue of it. Even though you know that would be the right thing to do. Or maybe there's some, some aspect of your Christian service which you've been putting off. It might be that you have more than you need financially. God has blessed you financially, richly. But you've never quite taken that step of, of starting to give generously to him, of recognizing that everything you have has come from him. And you've just been holding off. Or maybe there's a person in the church family uh, who you really don't get on with. And you know that God calls us to love our brothers and sisters. But instead you've, if you're honest, been harboring resentment in your heart towards them. Could be something like that. It could be any number of things. So what is it for you? Where might you have been refusing God's call on your life? So that's what we can often be like, like Moses, reluctant servants. So what do we need? What will help us to move from our reluctance to follow God's call? Well, we'll, we discover that as we see uh, uh, the next part of our uh, time this morning. So here's our second point. Whilst we, like Moses, are reluctant servants, we have a powerful and a willing saviour. A powerful and a willing saviour. See, all the way through chapters 3 and this part of chapter 4, Moses has been, has been getting things the wrong way around. God has said that he is sending him to bring the Israelites out of captivity. But Moses is convinced that, that God must have the wrong bloke. Look back with me again at chapter 3, verse 11. Moses says, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. In other words, I think you've got it wrong, God. I'm just an 80-year-old shepherd with a family to support. I'm not strong enough to go to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt. This is mission impossible. That, in a way, captures all of Moses' objections through these chapters. He, he thinks that at the end it's going to all be down to his abilities and his strength and his bravery. And so again and again in these chapters, God, God is trying to help him to see that it is not his power or strength that this mission rests on. Moses asks, who am I to do this, God? And Moses says, and God says, in effect, to him, forget about who you are. Focus on who I am. Forget about your weaknesses. Focus on my power. That is what is going on in those three miraculous signs we heard about that God gives to Moses uh, in the opening verses. God, God shows Moses that he's powerful enough to bring the people out of Egypt. As you read on in the, in the book of Exodus, which, which I'd encourage you to do after this series ends, you'll see each of the three signs here uh, that Moses is given are, are little foretastes, little pictures of what's going to happen when God brings the people out. He sends 10 plagues on Egypt. And after those plagues, God brings the people out of Egypt. And the signs here, they, they are a little anticipation of the three kinds of plagues that we get. Plagues that show God's power over living creatures. 
Uh, plagues that show God's power over human health, over life and death, and ones that show his power over the, all the forces of nature. So the point of all of those signs is that God is more powerful than all the power of Egypt. That's particularly striking in the first sign. Uh, God commanded Moses to throw his staff onto the ground. It becomes a snake. And then he commands him to pick it up again, and it turns into a staff. Now, in ancient Egypt, the pharaohs, they wore crowns with images of cobras on the front, a bit like this picture here. These cobras, they, were, they stood for what the people believed about the power and the divine authority that Pharaoh had been given. So in this sign that God gives to Moses, he's basically saying, Pharaoh thinks he's powerful, but my power is much greater. Pharaoh thinks he can keep my people in slavery, but I'm going to defeat him and bring my people out. And yet, despite all of these signs showing God's power, Moses still thought it was all about his abilities. And so he makes those objections we've already looked at. I'm not gifted enough, God. I don't want to do this, God. Think again about those parts of your life where you are finding it hard to follow God's call. Because God's answer to Moses is going to help us with those. Look with me at verse 11. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God was effectively saying to, to Moses, and he says to us this morning, you think there are so many things that, where you can't follow my, my calling, so many ways that you can't follow me, and you're right. By yourself, you can't do it. But I made you. I made you that way with all of your weaknesses. And I still want to use you. So whatever ways we're finding it hard to respond to God's call, he wants us to take our eyes off ourselves. Like he was saying to Moses, he's saying to us this morning, forget about your weaknesses. Focus on my power. Yes, you're weak. Yes, you're fearful. Yes, your gifts aren't up to the task. But look at who I am. Look at what I can do through you. You know, this is always the way God works. There aren't two classes of Christians. Some who are, are weak and need God's help to live the Christian life and others who are strong and make, can make it on their own. No, no, all of us are weak. Too weak to follow God's call on our own. And God has set it up that way so that we can see that it, it's his power at work within us. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're told that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, the power in our Christian lives does not come from within us. It doesn't come from our strengths, our abilities. It comes from our powerful God. Now let's re return just for a moment to some of those ways we might be making excuses about God's call on our lives. As we're heading into uh, the Christmas services and, and you think you're not naturally gifted to invite people. Well, this year is a wonderful opportunity to trust God's power. So you can ask him for help. Ask him to help you as you even just send that text or, or you speak to, to that friend to, to invite them. And then go for it. You can rely on God's power. It's not about you. Or maybe you want to help with 
with church with warmth, but you've been putting it off. Again, you're nervous about stepping forward. Again, remember the power is not in you, but in your God. Pray, ask him. He will give you everything that you need. So go for it. There is a Zoom meeting happening this afternoon at half four. Uh, So that would be a brilliant time if you've been sort of putting it off, but thinking, I want to get involved. Uh, Ask Matt, ask Al after the service. We can point you to them um, and you can get the details of that. That would be a great way uh, to get involved. God will give you what you need. So where in your own life have you been holding off from responding to God's call? be all sorts of things. Well, God says to you, to each one of us, yes, you're weak. Yes, you're fearful. Yes, your gifts aren't up to the task, but look at who I am. Look at what I can do in you and through you. Depend on me. Trust in me to work. That is what God is saying to us through these words in Exodus 4. As we draw to a close, I just want to give us one final motivation to respond to God's call on our lives. On the night before Jesus died, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in contrast to Moses, the, the reluctant saviour, that Jesus willingly obeyed his heavenly father in that moment. He said to his father as he prayed, not as I will, but as you will. And so he went to the cross out of extraordinary love for you and for me. So when we feel resistant to God's call, when it feels hard to follow him, what will help us the most is to dwell on the depths of his love for us, the the depths of the love of our willing saviour. So today might be a good time to confess any ways uh, we're resisting his call and a time to pray that that Jesus' willing sacrifice for us would, would melt our hearts So we stop resisting his call and instead trust his power to be at work in us. That'll be a wonderful thing to pray about together in your small group this week. Um, There's also the opportunity, as every week, of prayer ministry after this service uh, over there by the font. People who would love to pray with us, uh, that we would respond to God's call, that our hearts would be melted afresh by Jesus' love, the love of our willing saviour. We're going to sing in response to what we've been hearing. And in this hymn, we get a a wonderful reminder that in our weakness, we see God's power at work in us. We're going to sing these words. One thing I pray, that in my weakness, God's perfect might will make me strong. Learning Christ's way, whose selfless meekness is my delight, my peace, and my song. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.